up, everybody? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. It's Chelsea reporting live from L.A. Yes, I am in L.A., in the studio, studio chick. I feel amazing. I feel like this is, like, who I am, is a studio chick. I love putting on these big headphones, recording directly into a professional microphone, having a soundproof, padded room. This is the dream. This is like a podcaster's sanctuary. So I'm super excited to be here. LA has been so much fun. I've seen clients. I've seen friends. I've seen peers. I've seen family. It's actually been so much stimulation and socializing that I'm a little bit overwhelmed. (laughs) I feel like I'm resting and digesting, which is like actually a, a thing that a lot of professionals recommend when you're overstimulated is like, just go take a break and digest the experience. And I feel like that's what's happening right now. I went to QuantumCon over the weekend with Holisticism. They hosted it, and I'm obsessed with them. It's actually why I was in the studio. I was recording with them, and then they're coming on my podcast. And being around so many creatives and entrepreneurs and spiritual practitioners, it was incredible. And it was so much socializing that I have not done in literally two years that I was on such a high. And then we went into the week, and obviously, you know, you know, you normally don't work on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. At least I don't. I'm pretty boundaried around that. So then to jump back into the week with all these things to do and then meeting up with all these people and wanting to see all the LA restaurants and studios and wellness centers, it's been a lot. Like I'm really trying to compartmentalize day to day what's happening here, but it's been freaking awesome. I've met clients in person. I've met one of my brand sponsors and I got to go to the studio. I've been able to actually walk the beach, which I haven't done in forever. I'm getting my 10K steps in. Like I feel very LA wellness girl right now. (laughs) Eating the overpriced salads, the overpriced smoothies, getting overpriced Ubers everywhere. Um, My bank account's not that happy, but I'm very happy. I'm really excited to be in LA and especially because it's actually my company's two-year anniversary on May 5th. So by the time this airs, it will have been yesterday and I'll have been in business for two years. It's been a wild ride in my business. You guys know that from listening to the last few episodes where I talked about business lessons I've learned in the last two years. If you haven't, go check those out. I open up a lot about things that I wish I would have known, things that I did wrong, things that I'm working on right now. And I think you would learn a lot from it, especially if you're a new business owner. One of the reasons I'm loving being in LA right now is just meeting new people and being in new neighborhoods and being forced to get out of my comfort zone. And that's actually what I talk about with today's guest, Karen Maloney. So Karen Maloney and I connected and I was on her podcast, Curiosity and Consciousness, and she came on mine and we really talked about the lessons you can learn from traveling and intuition. So Karen herself is an inside out coach, silent counseling practitioner and energy therapist. She's a champion of soul living, and she's passionate about helping people believe in themselves and manifest their desires. She helps clients understand what their subconscious beliefs are and how that might be holding them back and ways that you can transform them. So we talk about that today. We also talk about the relationships we have with ourselves and how that is key to everything. Because when we shift this on the inside, the outside is what follows. So it makes perfect sense that her title is Inside Out Coach. So in this episode, we kick off with her travel journey, mental obstacles that come up when you live a very nomadic lifestyle, which I feel like people just don't talk about a lot, making money while traveling, because I know you all want to know how people travel and make money, and it's not as 
glamorous as you think. And it's usually we're not making as much money as you think when we're traveling. So Karen and I really open up about that, what traveling taught her, how to find accommodation and how that can actually be one of the biggest learning lessons is where you end up sleeping or living things she's missed on her travels, how she became a coach during her travels, what an inside out coach actually is, and then some ways to work on your subconscious. So we cover a lot of ground on this episode. I know summer is right around the corner. People are booking flights. Things are opening up. People are trying to secure those visas to go abroad. And I know many of you are probably wondering, how can I travel and work? Or how do I make friends when traveling? So we cover a lot of ground on this episode, and I hope it inspires you to not only travel more, because you all know, to me, traveling is one of the greatest teachers life can give us, but understand that when you see other people traveling, to not project something onto them that they're living this vacation lifestyle, have no responsibilities, aren't insecure. I personally remember when I was getting into travel, that's what intimidated me was Everyone that travels just looks like they live this easy, breezy, carefree life. And I tried to really open up in this episode with Karen about how that's just not the case. And she shares her experience too, but also how that ends up giving you so many life skills. And it's why I'm so passionate about talking about it, especially lately, because I know summer is around the corner. I know you guys are stacking your PTO, ready to take off. You're planning your summer vacations. And if you're a solo female traveler, I just don't want you to be intimidated because there are ways you can travel safely while having fun, while having a good time, while making money. And I really hope this episode inspires you to do so. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited about today's guest because she is also a digital nomad traveler and coach. Welcome to the show, Karen Maloney. Hi, Chelsea. Such a pleasure to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course. So where in the world are you right now? So I'm in Mexico. I live in Mexico and I've been here over two years now, uh, which was not on my plan at all. It was not on my radar, but my soul, my intuition was like, you need to move to Mexico now. And this was before the pandemic started and everything. So, yeah, so what grateful. What part of Mexico? Uh, I live in Oaxaca City now, but for... A couple of months, you know, I was, uh, I lived in different places around the country. I knew it was Mexico. I didn't want to go anywhere else. It was Mexico. It was Mexico that was calling me. I had no interest in visiting other places. I didn't, and I knew it wasn't a holiday this time. I knew it was like to live for a period of time. But even when I was leaving Ireland and saying goodbye to family and friends, I'm like, I don't know how long that is because I know it's not just a holiday, but maybe I'll be home in a month or three months or six months or 10 years. Like I literally have no idea. I just know I need to move to Mexico now. (laughs) So I did spend a couple of months like in around moving around different places. It was like slowly, not like in my backpacking days where, you know, you have a couple of days here, there and it's go, go, go. It was really slow. And because it was pandemic as well. So yeah, spending a few months in lots of different places and then decided Oaxaca's home. Wow. I just got back from Mexico actually. And I was like, I 100% see why people move here. It is so (sighs) relaxing, chill, sunny. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. The food's amazing. I know. And the people. Uh, And I I speak Spanish and Mm. I adore the language. So yeah, uh, I'm just, I feel so grateful. And, you know, I just forever, I'm like always, oh my God, I'm so grateful. Whatever it is that is this intuition, this force, this guidance, I am so happy that I have and had 
the courage to follow and to listen because you never get the details beforehand. You never get the full picture of, oh, it's all going to work this way. Never, ever, ever, ever. That just comes with the following. So, yeah. Wow. Well, I want to time travel back to your backpacker days and maybe even before that. What prompted you to start traveling? It's so funny because the first place I came to was Mexico as well. But I never had, I can't say I ever had any desire to travel. It was not something that was on my mind that was a big like, yes, I need to go do this. Sometimes I tell people I kind of fell into it. But again, I didn't because I was being guided. I can see now that I always had really strong intuition, but I didn't know what it was. But I knew to follow even though I, I I lived from my mind and was such a control freak and I tried to plan and know everything and I was such a perfectionist, just when I had this sense, I just knew to follow. So I had studied Spanish in university and I spent a year in Spain as part of my degree and I had no idea what I wanted to do after university, but I really liked being in Spain and being abroad for that year and I really loved the language and I just thought if I don't do something with this now. I'm going to lose it forever. So, but I also had this feeling, I was like, but it's not Spain. I don't want to go back to Spain. So anyway, I was just going, going around to all the career fairs as you do. And it was boom time in Ireland back then. So it didn't matter what you really studied. You, I could have started in any career as like a graduate program and worked my way. But I just was like, I don't know, like none of them are calling me. And next thing, randomly, but not randomly, because there's no such thing as coincidence, I got this email from someone about teaching English in Mexico. And I was like, it threw my college inbox and I have no idea who from. And I was like, oh, right. That's, that's a new country. They speak Spanish. Uh, why not go do that? So that's, uh, that's how I ended up in Mexico in the first place in 2006. And I nearly was not coming, like, because between my final exams and thesis and studying and, you know, all the doing, I had applied for this job and did my interview and signed a year contract and booked a one-way flight and all these kind of things. And then I had two weeks between my final exam and the date I was actually leaving, flying to Mexico. And I was like 21 at the time or something. And I remember I had a total and utter meltdown. I completely and utterly freaked out. And I was telling my parents, I was like, do you not love me? Like, how can you let me go to Mexico on my own? Like, Mexico? What the hell? Like, it, it, like I was saying, it wasn't like travel or going there was something in my mind. And I was literally like, I was not getting on that plane. I was freaking out, having a total breakdown. And my mother... <laughs> Only for mom, I would not have gone and I haven't stopped since. So she's probably like, why did I say that? But she's so incredible. But she looked at me and she was like, okay, Karen, well, there must be something in you that wanted to go. Otherwise, you wouldn't have gone to all the hassle of the interview and your visas and paperwork and flight and blah, 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 blah. So she was like, why don't you just go? And if it's that bad, just come straight back home. So in my mind, I was like, you were dead right, ma'am. That's exactly what I am doing. In my mind, I was like, I'm going, but I'm coming home. Maybe a week max. I was like, that's it. I'm coming home. And then when I got here and I just kind of was like, what the hell was I freaking out about? You know, I met really cool people. I obviously had my job. I moved into my house and I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't go home. And I kind of, that was the start 
of traveling on and off for years and years and years all around the world. And again, none of it was planned, but I just kept meeting such cool people. And they were like, oh, we're going to think about going here. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, maybe. And it just kind of all unraveled and unfolded like that. Wow. Where did you study abroad in Spain? Because I also studied abroad in Spain, which gave me the travel bug. Yeah, I, um, well, I had worked outside Barcelona. I was teaching English and I had studied in Leon. Okay. I was in Valencia. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I had wanted to um, go like down South or Valencia, somewhere like that, but I was, I was lastminute.com applied. So when I applied, they were like, no, Karen, all those places are full. You have Salamanca or Leon to choose from. I was like, I don't know anything about either of them. But again, Leon was perfect and still in contact with so many people there. But what I discovered afterwards compared to a lot of people who studied other places, and especially in the South, we spoke Spanish all the time, even among the Erasmus, whereas a lot of them, they picked classes in English and, you know, always spoke in the group, like the bigger group of expats or like different people in English. And I was like, oh, I'm again, so grateful. So wild how everything just kind of clicked and worked out. And then it just... One thing led to another. And like you said, now you actually are in a Spanish speaking country living there and really immersed in that culture now. And oh, what I adore it. Yeah. What your mom said, I think, is really interesting of you can just come back. I think that's a big, 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 big mindset issue that people that want to travel have. They have this thought, I'm gonna go live abroad, but what if I hate it and come back? And what are people gonna think of me? Like they're gonna mm. think I didn't have the guts to stick it out or they're going to, I'm going to be embarrassed that I only gave it a week. So walk us through that, that thought process of, yeah, if I hate it, I'm going to come back and maybe not being embarrassed about it. Yeah. Well, like that, that kind of didn't factor into my head at that time because I literally was like, so terrified. I was like, no, I am coming straight back home. And you know, I didn't, and I might be sharing this and it sounded so easy and like effortless and flowing. And no, that was not the way it was at all because I had so much inner conflict and felt so much fear all the time as well. You know, that's, that's what you're constantly doing. And I'd be terrified to walk into a place of my own. I'd be terrified to like speak the language when I was like, I don't know exactly how to say it. I don't want to make mistakes. Like now my Spanish is very fluid and I don't have to think, but that's not the way it started. I'd be standing there going, "Mm," trying to piece words together. So this time when I left, because of the inner journey I've been on throughout all these, you know, when I first came here in 2006, so like 16 years ago, Throughout those whole 16 years, I've been on an epic inner roller coaster journey that this time leaving, I didn't feel that sense of, oh, if I have to come back, I've kind of made it a failure because I was so much more, you know, trusting of what was showing up for me and confident that, you know, I get to live my life how I want to live it. And that's okay. But for years and years and years, I had so much conflict going, but what's wrong with me? Like, when when will I stop? When will I settle down? Other times when I'd be leaving again from home, I'd be like, what are they thinking about me? Are they thinking I'm just like pissing away my life because here they are having their like super careers and, you know, they're settling down and they have their house and they have their salary. And I'm still here, like acting like a child or, you know, a teenager and all these kind of things. For sure, I had them. Absolutely. A million percent. Sometimes they still pop up from time to time. But again, now I'm in a totally different place. But 
during the bulk of those years, yeah, for sure they would pop up. And I can't say I had tools at that time like I do now to really help me. I didn't. I did not. But something, I just knew that it was okay. And I knew that this made me happy. And that's all I could tap into. I was like, okay, I have all these crazy ideas. Yeah, I do question myself going, am I wrong? Is this the wrong way to live my life? Should I be doing something else? Blah, blah. I always had them. But then I'd just be like, you know, I'd meet someone or have an incredible conversation with someone or learn something new or explore a new place or be in nature and just feel an energy that it was like, but I feel so good doing this. So why do I have to battle or stop? So I suppose presence. That's, I didn't know it at the time. And now as I'm speaking through it, I obviously just came back to the present moment each time. And as they, as always happens, when you come back to presence, you see, oh yeah, these are just thoughts. These, this is not reality. So, you know, I didn't have tools and skills like I do now that I can name to work through things. But again, I was working through things all the time, unconsciously. And even now, I can only look back and fully appreciate the education, all the tools, the resilience, the perseverance that I learned from all those years of traveling that I didn't appreciate at the time because still inside as a person, I did not feel good enough. I had a huge inner critic. I was terrified to be myself. All these things, but they helped me. All those years of traveling was the best education for me. And I would fear and hate to think of who I would be without all those years because I would not be who I am today without a shadow of a doubt. Oh, I love that. You all know I've become obsessed with habit tracking. Have you listened to my How to Build Habits That Stick episode? It's episode 160 and I talk about Operation Glow Up, which is my tracking board right next to my bed. If not, definitely go take a listen. I started tracking my daily movement to hold myself accountable, and to my sweet surprise, I was actually able to average around five workouts a week for the entire month. Anytime I missed a day, I would circle it with a big fat circle and wrote a specific reason why I missed it to see if there were any patterns. Well, in not so shocking news, every time I missed a day was due to being hungover. I'm 31 and hangovers knock me out for a days at a time now. After several rounds of snoozing all day Sunday and being absolutely useless, developing anxiety shakes and a sense of dread whenever the hangover was about to exit my body, I knew I needed to make a change. So I started frantically searching for booze-free cocktails. I was very picky about finding ones that I liked and eventually Curious Elixirs caught my eye. Why? Well, the flavors, the packaging, the branding, and most importantly, the quality ingredients that go into each bottle. That's why I'm so excited to partner with them as an official sponsor of this episode. I loved Curious Number 1 when I first tried them, and now they have a new addition to the family, Number 7. Curious Elixir Number 7 is their booze-free champagne cocktail riff on the French 77 and the perfect companion for celebrations large and small. I'm talking spring break, summer weddings, or just a Friday night in. It contains elderflower and lavender to help you unwind and a medley of other high-quality factors like no gluten, caffeine-free, organic, no refined sugar, no preservatives, no sulfates or filler, and herbs and adaptogens. I mean, what more could you ask for when trying to replace the booze? 
I have so many events coming up and I definitely plan to swap out my endless vodka sprites for a pack of curious elixirs. You can try them for yourself by heading to the link in my show notes and you'll get $10 off an order of $50 or more by using the code RIFE22. Tell me what you think when you try them. Cheers and stay curious. What about outside judgment? Did any friends or family ever cast judgment? Like, okay, when are you going to come back? When are you going to settle down? Did that ever pop up? Well, my dad's passed away 11 years ago. He never understood it. For him, it was just like, what the hell is wrong with you? Where are you off to again? Like, what? Will you not just get a job? Like, what is this about? He did not understand it. But outside of that, I have to say that maybe they did behind my back. But I don't remember anyone really particularly saying it to me. And again, I can appreciate the gift that my mother was as well because and is because she from a very, very young age always allowed me to trust myself and allowed me to follow what I wanted to do. And she never made snide remarks or comments, which I thought was normal. But then from talking a lot to a lot of friends and everything, they're like, no, Karen, that is not normal in any way, (laughs) shape or form. Um, so, and I suppose in one sense, I don't know, I was always a bit different. Again, I have such a good group of friends that I think they just kind of accept me. They're like, oh, there she goes off again, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, whereas now I think from just having done that for so long, now they look at it differently going, wow, you know, that's, that's so amazing. And I'm so jealous, you know, (laughs) and all these kind of things. So I suppose I've been really fortunate in that sense. But my dad, yes, for sure, he did not understand it. But funnily, a friend of mine from Mexico came to Ireland, like in 2007. And we'd be speaking in Spanish, she didn't have so much English. And I saw the look in his eye, he was like, whoa, Karen, he like the pride. And if we'd be out and about somewhere, he's like, that's my daughter speaking Spanish. He was like, OK, maybe she wasn't just pissing her life away and like not doing anything productive. It's like, oh, OK, wow. Right. She she's look at her doing this, like speaking another language. So, yeah. I think there's this misconception that you just said when you said pissing your life away, that while you're traveling, yeah, it's like we call it, you know, wasting your life away or like throwing it in the trash can, whatever you want to call it, that somehow when you're traveling, you're like not working. It's a 24-7 vacation. You're laying on the beach. Oh, it's all easy peasy. Yeah, easy peasy. You have just money coming in. No worries. Like that's even now sometimes when I see people traveling, even though I'm a traveler, I'm like, how are like, how are they doing this? Are they working? Like, how are they getting from spot to spot? So when you said you first got to Mexico and then you just kept meeting people and started traveling around, this is the part that people don't understand. How did you travel? Where did you get money? Did you, how did you find a job? Did you have to get a visa? Can you really double down on how you started moving around from place to place? Yeah. So what I did back in those days, I would, I'd go home in between and I would just work. I would just work whatever, bar jobs, any kind of job I could get just to save money. Um, And I did that in Australia as well when I was there. And for Australia, really, I think was the only place I had to get a a visa because I wanted to work there as well. The Irish passport is great in that way, as in you can just arrive to many places and just, you know, do a visa as you arrive on the border. There's not many places I needed to pre-apply. Australia, definitely. But outside of that, I don't remember any other. The States, if I wanted to, yes, but the States never really drew me. 
and I didn't want to work there. So I would just work. I'd just be like, okay, head down, absolutely work, 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 whatever jobs I could get and just save, 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 save. And this is the thing, you know, about society. We live for the instant gratification. We we live for, or and we're sold the picture of, no, just buy this now and buy this top and buy this whatever. So I sacrificed so, so much because I knew how I wanted to invest it. I knew I wanted to have these life-changing experiences. So it was difficult at times because I'm like, God, crap, you know, I can't buy that or I can't go out to this dinner or whatever because I was like, this is what I want to do. And traveling, backpacking is such a skill. Like it is so difficult but there's so much magic in there, but it takes so much planning, preparation, admin, like figuring out buses, bus stations, like, oh my God, the amount of times and asking directions and how do you get here? And remember, I started and was doing all my backpacking when there were no cell phones, there was no Google Maps. Dear God, like, I don't know how you did it. <laughs> I know. When I look back as well, I'm like, how did it even happen? And especially with not having the language in some countries and not having great Spanish when I first started here in this side of the world. Like, also, it's a mystery to me. I'm like, how did all of that happen? Who was that person who did all of this? Because it is hard. And the constant go as well and living out of a bag. And, you know, sometimes you just be like, oh my God, I just want some home comforts. I don't want to have to scrimp or look for the cheapest meal or see what is the best way that I can make the money that I have for this day or this week or in this place last the best. And also back then there was no like multi-currency cards. Like, finding banks, doing withdrawals, all these kind of things. They were like big issues. And even as I'm talking through it now again, I'm like, wow, it was like so different to now. Mm -hmm. But again, it just, it just happened. And it's like everything. It comes back to mindset and what you decide and what you want, you will make happen. And this is what I wanted. This is what I really enjoyed. Yes, there was difficulties. Yes, there was so much tears at times and pains and struggles. And I mean, even just the sweating and the immense heat and you're carrying this freaking backpack and you're walking forever and you're being sent round in circles and, you know, buses that are 24 hours long and then they're, they're delayed. Like I have learned immense, immense, immense patience from my travels, extreme adaptability and like planning and execution and detail and also intuition. That's where I really, 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 really honed into and trusted my intuition as well. Because sometimes you just be in a place and you just get a feeling. It's like, okay, no, I just need to leave here. And I trust it every single time. And like I say, it's only really now in the last couple of years again that I can really fully appreciate what an invaluable education and life skills and university it is like you know it's no joke when they say it really is the best education but again it depends how you do it because you mm-hmm. know there are people who might just go for like three months somewhere I mean great it's still an experience but I think the long term grinding day-to-day on the move constant go backpacking is a different experience to just you know a lot of Irish would go to Australia for just the summer and they're like well and it's just the one place and you're literally just partying up all the time I do not oh, yeah. consider that traveling. That's an experience abroad for sure, but I don't consider it traveling. I did the working holiday visa in Sydney. And yeah, the first three months was party, party, party. And I was like, 
I need to get a job because this the money I saved is just going to the bars. It's yeah. time to get a real job. And then eventually, I mean, I was there for a year. So eventually I I did settle in. So that was initially when I was all falling into it. I were I would take breaks, work and then go again. Last time when I did a backpacking trip that I, again, had no notion of, it was not in my mind. I did not think I would ever go backpacking again was in 2017. I, my background was events management as well before moving into the coaching. And that was an epiphany I had from Melbourne. I was like, oh my God, events management. This is what I want to do. I just, every cell in my body was like, this is who you are. This is what you do. And I really enjoyed it and I loved it. I worked with the charity and I loved it. But then I changed to a more corporate wedding event organization because I thought the grass would be greener. I'd have more benefits. You know, I'd, I'd like it better. And I absolutely detested it. <laughs> like within a couple of months, I knew and within a year I was gone again. And again, it was not travel was not in my mind. But I had done and it's so funny at that time I was doing a 10 day on a four day off rotation. And for some reason, I was just like, I need to go away on these four days. And I had sent it to lots of friends, family. I'd broken up with my ex at the time. And I was like, who wants to go? And I put like Dublin to anywhere in like Europe. <laughs> and Bulgaria came up those cheap lights. I'm like, who wants to go to Bulgaria? These dates, da, 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 da. Nobody could go. They'd be like, oh, I could do the weekend before or after. And I was just like, no, something in me was like, it has to be these dates. And I hadn't traveled or backpacked or stayed in a hostel for years and years and years. But I was like, why am I so terrified? The fact that I'm so terrified to go do this, it's a weekend. Clearly, I need to go. So I just booked the flights anyway. But even again, a few days beforehand, I was like, I'm not going. Like, how can I go on my own and spend a weekend and be in a hostel again and blah, 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 blah. But I did go because I was like, Karen, this is ridiculous. Clearly, you need to go if this is the level of fear that you are feeling. So I went and I had the most incredible time again in that weekend. And then that's when it was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go traveling again. So I got back to work the, the next, say, I started on a Wednesday, I finished on a Friday. That following Friday, I quit my job and I booked flights to South America. So I was like, I'm off. Because again, I had the realization going, what is this all about? Like, I have the money, I have the job, I have the whatever, but I'm not happy. I feel like my soul has been sucked dry and I have no time. My time, that's the greatest thing I learned as well. My time is my most precious commodity. And I remembered, I was like, I remember these days of backpacking and they were hard and I, I had nothing, but oh my God, I was freaking happy and I was having the best experiences and learning so much. So off I went again on that trip because Again, I had been saving, but not for anything in particular. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have enough money. That trip, I actually volunteered in different hostels along the way. I'd spend a couple of weeks and you get free accommodation and food in return for doing like it was three shifts in the week or four. I mean, it was the best fun ever. <laughs> One of them was in a bar in Cusco. I was staying for two weeks. I ended up staying six and oh. Then I changed my flights as well. I went to Brazil and did another two month stint in a hostel just two blocks from Copacabana and was there for New Year's and Christmas and Carnival. And I'm like, freaking epic. Like, seriously, <laughs> there's always a way. Like, and yeah, so that was something else that between the the volunteering and there's loads of others like woofing and different options like that, that like. There, oh, and that's when when you mentioned Australia. This is what sent me off on this tangent. Sorry. Uh, when I got to Western Australia, 
because I went to Australia purely to Melbourne to work initially with friends from South Africa that I'd met in Mexico that we were all going traveling Southeast Asia with. But they were like, hey, we're going to go. Yeah, they were like, we're going to go to Melbourne for three months to work before Asia if you want to meet us there. And I was like, again, Australia was like not a place that ever appealed to me. I was like, they speak English. It's developed. I'm not interested. But then I was like, okay, I'll go. And I actually loved Melbourne. I really, really loved it as a city. And I had met uh, people in Guatemala from there and they were home. So it was just like taking me under their wing and yeah, epic. So then when I left to Asia, I was like, okay, Australia is really far away. And I actually really liked Melbourne. So I was like, I need to figure a way out to go visit it and travel more and New Zealand before going back to Ireland, because otherwise it'll never happen. So I did my whole Asia trip and then came back, went back to Australia, worked again for another few months and then traveled Australia and New Zealand. But when I started on kind of the the East Coast and doing that whole trail, I was like, oh my God, it was so many young Irish Germans just (laughs) on the piss. I was like, I need to figure out something else here. And that's when I started couch surfing. Because I was like, I can't do these hostels anymore with this. This is not my vibe. I was like, yeah, I like to party for sure. But no, this is not me. And that's when I started couch surfing. So that's another option for saving on accommodation. Obviously, it was great in Australia because accommodation is really expensive. The place is expensive. So, yeah, there's always a way. And I knew about none of these when I started, you know, so... Americans listening will not know about any of this. We know mostly about hotels, Airbnbs. And -hmm. I would say 95% of Americans think hostels are like the movie where they're run down. You might get kidnapped. You could get killed. And I did a whole episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Being like, you actually will find really cool hostels. But like you said, I had no idea you could work for accommodation. I had no idea you could do exchanges, that you could do couch surfing. I mean, there's everything now. You could do house sitting, dog sitting. Like yeah. And that's what I did. <laughs> that's you just reminded me. That's what I did initially when I came to Mexico as well. House and dog sitting. And again, I had heard about it before, but I'd never looked into it. But when I was like, OK, if I'm moving to Mexico, I've no idea where I want to live in Mexico. I was setting up my own business as well. I was like, how am I going to work this that I don't have so much going out? And that's when I started. But I knew as well, because I'm like, I'm over hostels. I I don't want to do the whole dorm situation. So I knew Mm -hmm. that wasn't my option. I knew I didn't want to be in Airbnbs and hotels. So I was like, okay, what else is there? And that's when I started house and dog sitting. And again, I've had the best experiences here. I've fallen in love with so many dogs in Mexico. Um, The best experience here. And I did that for the best kind of really on and off up until I decided, okay, no, Oaxaca's home. This is where I'm making my base. I love it. This is going to be so helpful for people that want to travel, but are either tight on budget or like Mm. they want to do it differently. They don't want to just stay at a hotel or Airbnb. Like there are so many ways to do it. And you're hearing directly from Karen, who's done pretty much all of it. Who knew of none of them beforehand. And again, you know, I was that person as well. When I then was finished my job here in Mexico, when I first came in 2006 and didn't end up going home after a week. Then I was like, okay, I really need to travel some of this country before I go home. But I had that fear. I was like, oh my God, I don't think I've ever stayed in a hostel before, but I can't afford anything else. I was like, I'm in a third world country. What is this going to be like? Oh my God. I mean, the best hostels. Mexico and Central South America generally have way better hostels than even like Europe or some of that, like epic setups. 
This actually prompts a question. What has been your best hostel experience and your worst hostel experience oh, or accommodation? Okay. Yeah. Well, a lot of them would have been hostels. <laughs> they were all hostels, you know, back in the day. Um, the first one that popped into my head when you said best hostel experience was in Isla Mujeres. So an island off Mexico, again, in 2006. And it was kind of just before I went home. And I... But no, I still had some time, but I'd planned to go other places. But I ended up staying there for about two weeks because I just loved the island so much and the hostel. Uh, it was right in the beach. There was like parties every night, really cool people. So that was Pucna in Isla Mujeres. First one that popped out is the best. And obviously there's loads of others as well, but that's the first one that popped into my head as the best. And the worst one that popped into my head was in Managua, in the capital. And I was just spending a night before going to what forever. So I just found this really cheap, basic hostel. I was like, yeah, I'll be grand for the night. And I don't know what was going on, but I literally, there was like some other guy or people and they were in and out to the bathroom and the light was on and off. And I was just getting really paranoid. And at one stage, I thought the guy who was kind of in the bed opposite me on the other side, I convinced myself somehow that he definitely had a gun and he was going to start shooting. And and I don't oh even my God. know. What, uh, yeah, it was terrifying. It was the worst night. But like, Nothing happened in the end, but I don't know why. I can't remember the specifics, but I remember I was just so terrified that night. I could not wait for the night to be over. I did not sleep a wink because I was fully convinced somehow that he had a gun or something. And that was wow. not true. <laughs> not true. Thank God. Not, not true. Thank God. But, you know, yeah, that was definitely the worst, the worst night. What about any instances where you were like really low on money? Did that ever happen where you're like, I don't even know how I'm going to book a flight or even stay another week in this hostel? How did you resolve that? I don't remember getting to a point like that in that sense. But I do remember when I was traveling in Central America. And thank God I was with another girl who left the school at the same time that I had been teaching in. And we traveled for a while together because... Again, there was no cell phones. There was rarely, you had to search for internet cafes. Like there wasn't online banking and all these kind of things. And I only had a no multi, multi-currency multi cards. So I only had a MasterCard and I used to withdraw on my MasterCard credit card. So I would transfer funds onto my card and do a bulk withdrawal every now and again and then work off that money. But in Central America back then, and she had a visa, thankfully, but we had such money issues. Like we would come to places and the ATM would be empty or we could not withdraw or cards wouldn't work for whatever reason. So we had loads of panicky moments like that going, how the hell are we going to withdraw? And then eventually one of our cards would always work somewhere in the town and then we'd take out for the other until the next time. And I do remember getting a boat back from San Marcos in Lake Atitlan in Guatemala and we were in San Marcos and there was no ATM on the island at the time. So we literally had no money. Like we we had enough to have like toast that morning for breakfast because I think we stayed an extra night or something. So the guys on the boat, we were like, please, we'll pay you when we get back to the mainland. We literally, and like people were really nice like that. I find people here are so much more trusting. They're like, yeah, 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 that's okay. So yeah, but we did have lots and lots of money issues with trying to withdraw money. Mm. But I don't remember time per se because, I don't know, I wasn't that kind of person that I could get to like the absolute dregs and be like, oh my God, 
uh, I'd always have, I'd know in advance and be like, okay, I, I, I need to do a volunteer now in a hostel for a bit or do some couch surfing to just save for a bit to get me to my flight home. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I love interviewing people. It is absolutely one of my favorite things to do. And it's also because I'm really confident in it, probably because I went to school for it. And I've also had my podcast for four years. But it's something that I truly believe is such an incredible way to not only create deeper human connection, but build confidence and life skills. I feel like because I'm a better interviewer, I have better conversations outside of podcasting. I create better connections with people. I feel more confident when I go into a room or when I travel or when I meet strangers. I think it's why a lot of times I'm not scared to travel because I'm a conversationalist and I picked up a lot of those skills from learning how to interview. And so I'm really, really, really excited to announce that I am dropping a special lab just for you all called Interview and Hosting Lab. So it's exactly what it sounds like. It is a lab, a.k.a. very experiential, where you're going to learn all the ins and outs of hosting and interviewing. So how to set the space, how to research, how to prep for an interview, how to conduct a chart-topping interview that actually will make your guests open up and be like, oh my God, that was the best interview ever, and how to promote your interview. This is something that I see oftentimes content creators struggle with is they want to interview people, but they either don't know how or they're asking a lot of the same questions that maybe the guest has already heard. So it doesn't really make for a compelling story. And I feel like there's really an opportunity for all of us to become better storytellers and better content creators just by learning the art of interviewing and hosting. So that's exactly what's going down in Interview and Hosting Lab. I am so freaking excited about this because you're going to learn, but you're going to practice. So this is not a lecture where you're just taking notes and learning interviewing. You're actually going to interview someone in the lab. Yes, I am putting you in breakout rooms. You're going to research each other. You're going to conduct an interview. Then you're going to switch. Then you're going to give feedback because that's the best way to learn, right? It'll be broken out into three phases. The first phase is teaching, where I will actually walk you through the four P's of every interview, which is prepare, pitch, personalize, and post-interview. Then phase two is practice, where you will pair up with a member of the class and interview each other. I am so excited about this because, again, I think the best way to learn is through action. And then phase three is Q&A and discussion. So we'll regroup, discuss wins, areas for improvement, and answer any questions before you depart. And my hope is that you will leave the lab equipped to conduct Oprah-like interviews and dazzle your guests. This is something that has been a long time coming. I've run interview like Oprah Masterclass in the past and it was really popular, but I saw that there was an opportunity to expand and actually allow you to interview people and get that feedback directly on the spot so that when you go out and conduct an interview with a real guest, you have all the tools and you're prepared and you're confident, ready to go. So if you want to join Interview Lab, it's later in May. I will drop the link in the show notes. I cannot wait to see you inside and get ready to conduct chart-topping interviews. What about, I think this is the hardest thing, is when you make friends or even find love, and then you're like, but we have different plans. I'm going here and you're going there, and you have to split up. How hard has that been for you, or has it been hard? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, when you're traveling as well, you kind of, you make friends with everyone because everyone's kind of on, they've, they're obviously similar in a lot of ways and mindset and wavelength and all that kind of thing. But then you always have real clicks 
you know, you get on with everyone, but then, well, it's been my experience anyway. I'd have real clicks where I was like, oh, this is a person I'm going to be in contact with. So yeah, it was always hard when you're splitting ways. And sometimes, you know, that's the flexibility. You change plans. You'd be like, yeah, okay, actually, let's go do this. And that's the beauty of it as well, to have that flexibility. And then you have these whole other experiences that were never part of your original plan. And that's happened me loads and loads and loads and loads. I have switched things up. I have gone to new places that weren't on my route or my idea because of people I met, because of someone else. And they've been the best as well. But again, goodbyes are always hard when you meet someone that you really like. And, you know, if you're from different countries as well, like, yeah, you keep in contact, but it's like, oh, will I see you again? And yeah, I've definitely had a few heartbreaking experiences, but Again, I just focus on all the gifts and the beauty that these people have shared with me from their lives and the experiences we've had together, as opposed to looking at the loss and being Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, they're not here at the moment or we're not doing this now. That's not where I choose to put my focus and my energy. You know, I I choose to look on the happiness and the, the gifts and everything that we did experience and go through together. And, you know, it even came, it was harder in one sense because I traveled Southeast Asia with a gang of friends that I had met and there was six of us but then when I changed my flights and decided to go back to Australia that was the first time that I really was traveling on my own and that was a huge oh my god I don't know can I do this like I had never really done it before yes I'd gone to Mexico on my own but I went into like a job and Mm. then when I quit that I'd left with the girl who was going from the school and then we separated on our paths and our travels, but I had kept meeting the same people that then I like continued with others. So that was the first, first time that like I was on my own, on my own for like the whole trip. And that was really scary. But then again, I just got into it and I actually really enjoyed it because I was like, oh my God, I don't have to consult with other people. I can just go here or go there or go whatever. So, you know, again, comes back to that thing of presence and just being with what is and not focusing on what it's not. Oh, I love that. What about your most surprising city or country that you visited that you're like, I wasn't expecting it to be this cool or pretty or nice, whatever. And then on the flip side of that, what's one place that you were really looking forward to that you were disappointed with? The first place that really stopped into, popped into my head that um, surprised me and how much I liked, and I still talk about it to this day, is Nicaragua again and Ometepe, the island that's kind of in the middle of the country. That was really, really cool. And at first, when I first got to Nicaragua again, this was after 11 years of not having traveled. And it was like 2017 not knowing that I was going to do another backpacking trip. And I had the exact same feeling the night before that I flew out. And I remember at home in Ireland, it happened to be like the most horrific thunder and lightning. I did not sleep a wink, torrential rain. And I was flying the next day and I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Why am I going to Nicaragua? I'm literally going to get killed. This time I'm going to get killed. Why am I going on my own? And I had that total freak out. I was like, I'm not going. I am not going. Nope, I'm not getting on that bus. I am not going. And then I remembered mom's words. It's like, oh yeah, but if it's that bad, I have the flight. I'll just come straight back home. That's what got me going again. And again, I extended that trip. I ended up staying longer and going to Brazil because again, I met really cool people and just this opportunity came up. So um, when I first got to Nicaragua again, and it's still very underdeveloped, I was a bit like, 
oh, I don't know, can I do this anymore? Like, oh, you know, because again, and that's another thing travel really helped me with. I was such a, an OCD, clean freak perfectionist. Like mm. it really helped me in that sense. And even my friends from home would tell you like how pedantic I could be at times. So if anything else, bar everything else, that is one thing that I have learned to just relax and be okay with having some dirt or dust on my clothes. Like that's the kind of person I was. So again, just initially I was a bit like, I don't know, can I do this or whatever? But I I totally ended up loving Nicaragua and especially Omotepe. So that's one of my favorites. And another, the one that's popping into my head of being a bit mm, underwhelming or that was Copacabana in Bolivia. Mm. But I think it was just as well. I had left such, and this is, I didn't trust myself. I went back into the mind. I had left Cusco before I really wanted to. I had this idea. I still had this fixed plan and I'd already spent like, you know, five or six weeks there. I'd only planned to spend two. So I still had this end date. I hadn't changed my flights at them. Brazil had not come into the picture. I still had this end date and I'm like, no, I need to go. Even though I didn't want to go, I really wanted to wait for Halloween and I felt like I should wait for Halloween. But my mind was like, no, I better just go now. I better just head off. So I left, I don't know, 10 days before Halloween or something like that. But when I got to Copacabana, then in Bolivia, it really underwhelmed me. Because again, I'd heard so much about it and oh, it was so lovely and blah, blah, blah. But I was also suffering from altitude sickness. In Cusco, yeah, I kind of had it the whole time where I just, but I didn't feel nauseous. I just, I had zero appetite. It was such a struggle to force myself to eat every day. But when I got to Copacabana though as well, I actually felt nauseous as well. So I was totally going, what have I done? And I know I shouldn't have left. And now I'm feeling even worse and blah, blah, blah. But this is, this is the beauty and the flexibility as well. I freaking went back. I went back to Cusco and I stayed for like another 10 days and I was so grateful. And then off I went and had the best trip again after that. So, and you know, I can't really blame it on the place Copacabana per se because when I went back I went back with a friend from the hostel and we ended up traveling for a couple of months together after that and it was epic in Isla del Sol and Lake Titicata but just that time it was just really underwhelming and I think I was really just being hard on myself because I kind of knew I'd made the wrong decision anyway so yeah it was just a a low moment. <laughs> oh, yeah we've all had those. Yeah. What about the thing you miss most about Ireland? Well, obviously, family and friends and the crack, you know, from all my travels all around the world, we have a particular sense of humor that a lot of people don't get. So I would miss the crack. We call it the crack. But I was going to say, even the crack, Americans are like, drugs? What, what is she talking no, about? No, because crack is Irish for fun. C-R-A-I-C, mm. not C-R-A-C-K, C-R-A-I-C. Um, and that's our word for that's Irish for for fun. So we're just always about mm. the crack. We're always having the crack. What's the crack? So you, I would miss the the sense of humor and that pure divilment at times. But I have to say, in saying that, the Mexicans are the most similar to the Irish I have ever met. We have a same wow. kind of um, sense of humor and vibe. It's really interesting. Um, so yeah, obviously family and friends and the crack. But outside of that, sometimes food. But again, I can just look back and be realize how I just dropped into where I was 
I just mm-hmm. got really present in where I was. So if I was in whatever country you're traveling, that's what I did. Even then when I was at home, if I didn't want to be there and I wanted to be gone again, I was just there. I was not thinking about being somewhere else. Right. So, yeah. No, the other thing that does stand out is the fresh air. Oh, the really clean, fresh air of Ireland. I'm like, I just want a nice, deep, clean inhale, especially if you're in like, you know, Central America and chicken buses and all the pollution and everything. I'm like, I just want some fresh, clean air. Fresh air, nature. Yeah. So, yeah. Family, friends and the air. (laughs) Love that. So at some point you're traveling, you're working these jobs, you're saving money. And now you are a coach. So Mm -hmm. what ended up leading you to this path in coaching? I always knew I wanted to do my own thing in one sense. But that last job I took before I quit in 2017 and went to South America, I was like, nah. Because again, I'm a, I, I know how capable I am. I'm a really good worker. And that place, like ugh, the hours and my pay was so shit. And I was just like, you know what? No more. I do not want to have, and I was fighting for a pay rise for ages. Like even from the minute I took the job, it wasn't a good pay, but they said we talk and negotiate. So I'm like, I am freaking sick of having to fight for pay or ask for a pay rise or beat to someone else's drum or ask for days off or have to plan things so far in advance. I'm like, no, I am done. I am done. I am done. I am done. Because I also knew from all my travels and experiences, I was like, it's never going to give me the life that I want. And the life that how I want to live my life, like I will work all hours of the day. I don't mind. Like I could do something on a Sunday night at 10 p.m. if I feel like it. I don't want to be boxed into a certain timetable. And again, that's me. And that's what I learned from all my travels. And I always knew I kind of wanted to do my own thing. So that last job was a great (laughs) reminder of, no, I'm done beating to other people's drums. But then coming back in 2018, I obviously had no plan or anything. But again, the synchronicity of it that I couldn't have planned, I never knew was going to happen. I remember, and this was before I quit my job, before I knew I was going backpacking again. Because again, it was not on my radar. I wanted to quit and I was looking for other jobs. Even though I didn't know I want them, I knew I didn't want them. I was like, please, universe, just give me some kind of comfort blanket. Mm -hmm. I know I don't want the job, but I want the 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 option of having another job, even though I don't want to be in this job. And of course, I was hearing nothing back because I didn't want another job, but I did because I was looking for it. But anyway, so I remember one evening I was just on my laptop at home and I cannot remember what I was searching up or anything like that. But I saw a notice that Tony Robbins was coming to London for Unleash the Power Within in April 2018. So this was like over a year in advance. And I was like, oh. And I'd always really been into personal development and reading. Reading was my savior. Like that's that's what kept me on knowing that there was something bigger than just me and anything was possible. Even when I felt all that inner conflict and uncertainty, I would read other people's books and how other people had changed their lives. So I knew there was something, even though I didn't have the language. But anyway, I I knew of Tony Robbins. I didn't particularly like him. His voice kind of uh, annoyed me at the time. But I was like, hmm, I know he's a big deal. I know he like knows what he's talking about. And like that, I had no plan of travels of anything. 
And I, it was like a year later and I knew I wasn't happy in my job. So I was like, okay, I'm going to buy this ticket now and invest in myself. So I did. It was a big lump sum of money. And um, when I extended my trip in South America in 2017 into 2018, I was like trying to sell that ticket. I contacted them and I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is an extra 800 euro that like, what the hell? So I was like, hey, any chance I can get a refund? And they were like, no, we don't do refunds, but you could sell it or you can put it off to the year later or whatever. And I was like, okay, like that. No, clearly meant to be. So anyway, when I got home, it was the next month in London. So I went and that was just epic. That was so incredible. It was such a mind-blowing experience. And then from then I started working with the coach, but then it was when I worked with the coach, I was like, oh no, no, no. I need to be the coach. Mm. This, this is what lights me up. This is my passion. And then I, I trained and studied and also energy has always been huge for me. So in those years as well, I was attuned to Reiki and integrated energy therapy. So I started with those first one-to-one. And then again, I, before the pandemic and everything, I was like, okay, no, I want to focus more on the coaching. I want to be online. I know lighting or traveling lights me not up. I know, like I love Ireland, but I've never felt at home there. I've Mm. never felt it's my place. And I was like, no, this is not what I want. I want to be able to work from anywhere in the world anytime I want. So that's when I kind of made the shift. And then everyone was forced to make the shift anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but, now you um, call yourself an inside out coach. Mm-hmm. Walk us through what that means. Yeah. So like that, I was going around in circles for ages going, what the hell do I call myself? Like what kind of a coach and blah, blah, blah. And just inside out came to me one day and I was like, I love it because again, it's all our internal game. It's always us against us all the time. It doesn't freaking matter what's outside, what's happening, what's not happening, because it's all us in our thoughts, in what we believe is possible, how we feel about ourselves, what we think about ourselves. And again, it's only as my journey and, you know, being a coach, I'm just like, oh my God, it's like the best name ever. I'm like, thank you. And again, I don't lay, lay claim to it because I just knew, I was like, oh yeah, that's interesting. That's kind of all me and what I'm about. But just the more the truth, because again, what we're constantly saying to ourselves inside, and we all have this inner voice, like nobody can get rid of it, but actually we can control it. And that is the work. And it is being intentional and learning tools and skills to debunk your thoughts, to know they're not real, to choose a new story, to start impressing your subconscious with new feelings, new ways of being, new language, like even changing my language and how I speak. I started tuning in with, you know, what I was saying consistently, both to myself and to everyone around me. Then I was like, oh my God, I'm like, saying the same thing over and over again and over and over again and using the same words over and over again. I'm like, I'm lulling myself to sleep. And this is what we do. We're all on autopilot. But so yeah, inside out, because again, it's all that inner mindset, inner talk, work and inner feelings. Because again, what we hold inside expresses outside. What we put into our subconscious mind, which is through that repetitive thinking, our subconscious is just like a recording machine. And then that's what projects outside of us. So that's why everything has to start within. It has to start within because we can keep changing the outside. We can keep changing countries, changing jobs, changing relationships, changing locations. 
And, you know, that was me for a long time. I didn't have good self-in talk so, or self-inner talk. And I would be in new places. And that's how I've opened up. I remember sometimes traveling and I'd see people getting so like emotional over a sunset and like crying and be like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And I was just like, the hell is wrong with them? Like, I just couldn't feel it. Because again, I was so, I can look back now and see, I was actually such a highly anxious person. And I lived in freeze mode. I was always on high alert. Like it has taken me a long, long, long time to feel safe in my body, to feel comfortable, to kind of come off the high alert. And that, uh, you know, what's next in that sense of trying to control. Because again, the only thing I can ever control is me is my thoughts, is my responses, is the meaning I choose to create of a situation, how I choose to interpret something, my perception, that is all my control. But that is where my power is always, not in anything outside. Love that. What is one specific tool or piece of advice or tip for someone that maybe is struggling with self-talk or trying to rewire their subconscious? Like what's something you would recommend that they do? Yeah. So even start as simple as take out a piece of paper, a pen and paper, and actually write down what are your dominant habitual thoughts, like the dominant habitual negative thoughts that you constantly say to yourself, even if they seem seemingly inconsequential. Like even yesterday or a few days ago, I was talking to my mother and she was like, oh, what was that again? She's like, I have a head like a sieve. And, you know, that seems like, oh, it's funny. But no, our body is listening. Those, as A Course in Miracles says, there's no neutral thoughts. And we, we, we don't see these as damaging, but they actually are. Because, again, that's the life, that's the reality we're creating for ourselves. And it's not to do it from a, a panic mode of, oh, my God, every thought I'm thinking is creating. No, but it's these seemingly inconsequential, habitual dominant ones, negative, that like, oh, I'm so silly at this. I, I'm, I can never do anything right. No, no, I'm useless. I'm useless. These kind of ones that we just kind of pawn off, just take a few moments and be curious. And again, they're not always obvious straight away because this is it. They're so subconscious. We don't see them anymore. But start a practice to be curious. What am I habitually saying to myself that's like negative or seemingly negative? And just write them out. And sometimes when we even write them out, it's like, wow. And then try flip them. Be like, okay, what's something more supportive that I could say to myself? And then just start replacing it, replacing it, replacing it. And it seems so basic and simple, but that's what it comes down to every time. And it's the repetition. It's not enough to do it once because again, our subconscious is a recording machine. It needs the, the repetition to actually then have this newer, better thought of, oh, I can do anything. I can do anything. I can do anything. And that's a subconscious habitual thought that we're, we're not conscious of anymore, but it's, it's changing them and nothing and no one can change them but us. So if right. we're not willing to do it for us, and believe me, this was me. I tried to look for every solution. The silver bullet doesn't exist. It's all us. We have all the power, but that's not hopeless or like, oh man, it's actually really empowering when we step into our power, when we realize, oh, I have created all this anyway, most of it unconsciously, that means I'm a powerful creator. So by this token, that also means I can actually create intentionally and I can actually create what I do want. And that is the truth. We can always and forever. It doesn't matter the external circumstances. 
I love the create intentionally line. I mm-hmm. think that's something we all think the day just happens to us. Life just happens to us. This just happens to us. But if you flip that to say, I am deliberately going to be creating the life that I desire, you take back that power, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly it because, you know, we're creating all the time. You know, we don't have to learn manifesting. It's not a skill we learn. It's something we're doing all the time. And that's why the importance of being intentional and taking a pause to have that moment of what am I thinking and what would I prefer to think? Because again, what we give our focus to grows. Even if that's, and I, it, this is, and I struggled a lot and sometimes still forget, you know, we think, especially if it's like money or relationship or something big like that, we're like, well, if I'm not thinking about it and if I'm not like worrying about how am I going to get more money, whatever, it's never going to happen. Whereas no, as long as you keep thinking, how am I going to get more money? You're, you're building more of that energy and story of how am I going to get more money? So that's where all your focus is going. So there's no space for a new solution, a new idea, a new opportunity to come in. So it's not about denying or avoiding, which a lot of us do, you know, or reality. It's seeing it, but then it's like, okay, and processing the emotion that comes up, like I feel the fear, the worry, or the doubt, the uncertainty. Absolutely. Feel it, but don't live there. And then shift your focus to, I'm always fully supported by money. Money comes in magical ways. I don't need to know how money is going to come because then that's where you're sending your energy. But again, it sounds too easy or airy-fairy sometimes for people. They're like, Karen, that's freaking ridiculous. But no, it's not. Because when we think about it again, most of the time, because our subconscious is a, a recording machine and everything that we have ever received is the life that we are currently playing out. So if it's something that you're not happy with or hasn't happened for you yet, nine times out of 10, also it's someone else's belief or idea that has been put into our machine, whether from society, from culture, from parents, from friends, from whatever. So when you really start waking up, you're seeing this and you're like, oh, hell, it's not even my life I'm living. These are all programs that are coming out. So I often say to clients as well, kind of just look at this your current reality is like a lag in some previous thoughts and programs that you have. Like, it's not about ignoring it, but don't get too reactive about it. It's a reflection. It's like, it's actually revealing to you right in front of your eyes what you are holding within. So it's like when I shift my perception again and look at it more as just information, nothing is good or bad, nothing, everything just is and everything just is information. And I can change and twist and spin that information any which way I want to, whether good, bad or indifferent. So and have that curiosity where then it's like, oh, okay, what can I tweak in me? What is my thought that's creating this? And it becomes really fun because you're like, oh yes, I can change anything. This is my life. I can do what I want. I can think what I want. I can create what I want. But again, we have to be intentional. We have to be in the driver's seat of our life and no longer a passenger, no longer fast asleep. I love that. Well, I have one final question that I ask all my guests and you're clearly an expert in traveling and coaching and energetics, but this podcast is called In My Non-Expert Opinion. Oh, so wow. what is something you're not an expert in that you wish that you were? Oh, wow. God, so many things. I think 
the thing I can say definitely from all my learnings and the more that I learn and expand in my own consciousness and awareness, the more I realize I know absolutely nothing. We are so clueless as to who we are, the power we hold, how this whole universe works. But I still would love to know so much more about the brain and neuroscience and the workings of it. Mm. Like there's so many things I would still, I'm totally not an expert in, but um, yeah, the brain and patterns and, you know, how it creates images and all that kind of thing and how it takes in energy and vibration and frequencies and makes images because again, it's our brain that's producing every image that we see. So yeah, neuroscience maybe. (laughs) Neuroscience, yes, 100%. Well, everyone is definitely going to be interested in working with you, especially with all the amazing tips you just gave us in the last 10 plus minutes. So how can people find you and support you? Yeah, so my website is karenmaloney.com, just my name, Karen Maloney. And from there, you'll find my Instagram as well, which is karenmaloney underscore. And my Facebook is Inside Out Coach Karen Maloney. And I also have a podcast as well called Curiosity and Consciousness, which you joined me as well recently as well. And that was a super interesting conversation as well. So yeah, just my name, Karen Maloney. Amazing. Obviously, everyone will link this in the show notes. And thank you so much, Karen. I loved this conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chelsea, as well. It was such a pleasure to connect again and do a a double share. Thank you so much. Um, Are you going to go book a flight right now? Because I know that conversation got me fired up to book a flight, even though I'm already traveling literally as we speak. I just cannot wait to jump around from country to country like Karen has talked about because it's such a magical way to let life unfold, to just... Pick a spot where your intuition is telling you to go, letting life lead you, letting fear wash away, letting the country or your setting or the people you're with guide your next steps without feeling, you know, out of control and just letting that spontaneity and magic happen. It's one of the best feelings in the world. I loved talking to Karen about all her travel stories, what she's learned, how she's built her intuition, how she started working while traveling, how she created her business, and ultimately, again, how we can all work on our subconscious beliefs. So I really hope this inspires you to not only travel, which, you know, I love traveling. If you want to visit me this summer, please do. But understand that your intuition is strong. I know sometimes people listening are like, I don't have intuition or like my intuition's not that strong. And I do feel like there's ways to build it and ways to work on it. It's just a conscious, intentional effort. And I hope this episode inspires you to do that. If you love this conversation, you'll probably love Karen's podcast, the Curiosity and Consciousness podcast. I will link all her links in the show notes. And if you want to learn how to interview, remember Interview Lab is coming up. So that's later this month. I will likely cap it at 20 people because I want to make sure we have enough space in that lab for people to receive feedback and feel comfortable in that group. So if you want to be part of that lab, again, later this month, the link is in the show notes. It's going to be so fun. You're going to learn how to interview, host, and be an all-around better storyteller. You know what to do if you love this episode. Go review on Apple Podcasts, leave five stars on Spotify, and very exciting announcement, I'm going to pick three winners this month to win a Notion podcast launch plan. This launch plan is crazy. It has video tutorials, checklists, planning space for you to actually plan out your episodes, a planning template, 
This thing is like my master document that I send to private clients, and I want more of you to start podcasts, and I know a lot of you are just stuck on the steps. So all you have to do is leave a review, send it into info at chelsearife.com, or screenshot and send it to me on Instagram, and I will enter you into the giveaway, which I will pull out the end of May to win this launch plan. As always, thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. 